The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. I am excited to introduce our guest today. We have Uli Applebaum, who is the founder of First the Trousers and Then the Shoes. Welcome, Uli. Time to welcome this week's Data Guru. Hi, Seema. Thanks for having me. Very uh, thrilled to be there. I have to ask you, how did you name your company? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing is it came out of a brainstorm literally 15 years ago. And uh, over the years, I really started to appreciate why this name resonated with me. And and basically at the core, it's really first the trousers. It's a strategy-only consulting firm. So we don't do execution. We're not influenced by a sort of like a deliverable. But then the shoes, the way it's formulated, there's also a very creative twist to it, as opposed to like Applebaum and Partners Brand Consulting, which is kind of boring. And that really reflects my belief that the strategic process is a creative ideation process and therefore a creative problem-solving process. And the name best reflected these sort of like beliefs and stuck with it. And the, the other side benefit is literally it creates images in your brain, right? And I don't care if you call me first the shorts and then yeah. the flip-flops, <laughs> the, the idea sticks in your brain and has been with me for the last 15 years or so. It definitely works because it, as soon as, every time I say it, I'm like, yeah, I would definitely put the pants on first and then the shoes. And then I and wonder, do people actually try to put the shoes on first? And the answer is yes, because I have children who try to do that. The reality is in the world of business and marketing, we so often try to put the shoes first and yep. then the pants. There is no reason for that. But I jump ahead. I want, Uli, I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks for asking. So as you can hear, I'm German. I moved to the US uh, 16 years ago and I started my career in advertising. And the reason was I was really passionate and fascinated by this concept of positioning and basically how people form perceptions and how you can influence perceptions for brands, for causes, for anything. And realized early that in advertising, this would be the field where you can get exposed to that with the most possible variety out there and quickly switched into account planning. So I worked for for large agencies in Germany and the last one being BBDO, a big global network where I was running their planning and market research department. Then got a great job offer here in Minnesota from a great company at the time. And a lady I was dating at the time facilitated the, the transfer as well. And so I've worked most of my career in the account planning department, which is the strategy department of various advertising agencies. Uh, here in the US, a company called Fallon or Leo Burnett or BBDO in Chicago as well. Then I worked for four or five years in a digital agency called Sapient Nitro. The whole internet thing was bubbling up and I was intrigued on technology and how that influences brand building and stuff. And then uh, four or five years ago, we decided to move back to Minneapolis from LA at the time. And I realized that for me, it was a lifestyle choice for the family to raise the kids. 
And so I decided to create my brand consulting firm, first the trousers, then the shoes, actually revive it from my time in Germany and have been consulting and freelancing ever since. And I work mainly with large corporations, whether it has to do with helping them position their brands either on a global scale when they're launching new products across several countries or helping smaller brands. Like not too long ago, I I helped a new energy drink brand called Outlaw, which is based on the West Coast, position itself against Red Bull and the monsters of this world. But I also do market research. I do customer journey development, process optimization, basically anything that deals with efficient brand building and that across a variety of categories, anything from, as I said, small startups to large global corporation like Siemens or Lando Lake here in Minnesota and these kind of companies and love what I'm doing. So fantastic. uh, (laughs) What a great experience. I love the international background as well. I think that always adds another dimension of perspective. It's fun, as you know, and that's still 40% of my business is on international brands, which I'm really thankful for. I love it. So I know it's such a small world. We've met through friends of friends and and this whole podcasting world. And ironically, it feels like a big world, but it's small because something that we deal with in, in the research industry, as you know, is really being able to deliver value from the data that we capture. And I'm intrigued because you've launched, and I don't know how long you've had this out, but these cards, and what are they yeah. called, Julie? It's called, it's actually a long title. It's not a very smart title. It, they're called uh, AHA, the Indispensable Inside Generation Toolkit. And it's basically a set of method cards that is divided into three sections that contains 49 method cards, each including exercises and questions that help you turn data into insights, basically. And the, the deck is very uh, fresh. It's literally, I launched it like six, seven weeks ago. So it's brand new out there. So how long did it take you to develop this? 25 years of career <laughs> experience. And then three weeks of uh, more focused, sort of like, you know, writing it down, summarizing it and these kind of things. But it's basically a career of building brands around the globe in various countries that led to the content of this. And it's basically based on the very simple insight or, or learning that insight is such an important concept in the world of marketing. But it's one, first of all, it's it's often misunderstood or misused. Everything is an insight nowadays, right? Just washed my hands after going to the bathroom. What a great insight. It's like, no, that's not an insight. That is either a fact or, or a truth, but it's not yet an insight. So that's one of the observations. It is a misuse of this term. But the second one I've learned is because there is so much more data out there, more and more people think that new data leads to insights, which it can, but it doesn't have to. So all of a sudden I have access to social listening tools. Ooh, those are brand new insights. Not necessarily. And what I've learned too is the newer generation of marketeers have lost the knowledge on how to generate insights through these exercises. So these exercises are really nothing revolutionary, brand new stuff that I made up. It's really tried and true exercises out of psychology, out of communication world, but they don't get shared any longer. So I wanted to capture those in a deck and share them with people, just get the knowledge out there again. So tell me from your perspective, what is the definition of insights? So the insights is actually, it's both a process and an output in a sense, right? So there is no insight without the process. And the process is diving into data, struggling to make sense of this data to connecting various dots, which leads to this aha moment, which is basically a day or two after you've 
been frustrated because you don't have any solution. So there is this magical moment in there. But what it does, it's basically a truth about the consumer that you didn't know before, but that once you understand it, changes completely the way you look at a category, a business of, or a brand. So what it does, it, it gives you this level of energy because it gives you all these new possibilities, again, of what you could do to build a business or you know, develop a brand strategy. So you literally have to go through this discovery phase, struggling phase, where you discuss with options, stuff like that. You have this moment, of, oh my God, this is, yes, this is the way to look at it. And this then leads to all these possibilities out there. I like your definition of insights. It's because you're right. I think- think right now there is an overabundance of data. And I think that every time somebody feels that they get access to more data, they're going to have quote unquote better insights. And the job is even harder, I think, when you have more data, because you really need to understand the business issue, the problem that you're trying to solve and connect that data to create a new perspective about the consumer and how it relates to your business. That is absolutely right. It's not because I learned something new about my consumer that it's actionable, that it can be tied and owned by my brand and that it can lead to a, a solution that will change a behavior um, the way we intend it to. But it's easy to get distracted by all this data, right? So that's the big challenge out there is it's very easy to think, oh, we, we talk to a new type of consumers mm-hmm. that we haven't talked before. We learn something new, ta-da, we have an insight. Sometimes you do, but most, most of the time you don't. So for these cards, how do you suggest clients or people who purchase these cards What's the ideal way to use these cards? So there are three sections in these cards and you can use either the three sections uh, consecutively or you can use them independently. And what it does, it really jogs your memory. It helps your brain think about something you haven't thought about before. It basically stimulates your brain. And the first section of the cards has all to do with problem definition. So where you have have like 10 exercises that allow you to redefine the way you formulate a business problem. And one thing I've learned in the last few years I'm more and more interested about is simply on our brain's ability to prevent us from thinking innovatively, if that makes sense. We have so many biases. We have so many prejudices that they prevent us from thinking about a problem in an innovative way. It's easy to trick the brain, but you know, in every problem definition, you have assumptions, assumptions on what makes a brand successful, assumptions of what makes your specific brand in your category successful, assumptions on what is required to succeed. First, and exercises, what they basically do is they help you challenge these very basic assumptions. They break it down. They break it down. So for example, an example I like to use is a very simple one. You know, you can have retail outlet and you have long lines at the cashier's peak hours. So you could phrase your problem asking, how do I shorten the time people take to check out? This will lead you to a set of solutions. And this implies, frankly, that people don't want to wait in lines, which is often true. But you can rephrase this and say, how do I make the waiting time at the cash register more entertaining. And this leads you to a completely different set of solutions, which by the way, is what Disney World makes. They didn't shorten your lines very much. They made them more entertaining and less annoying to wait for an hour for your next ride. So those are examples of how you can repurpose and reframe a business problem that leads you to a completely different set of potential solutions. 
I would imagine as you go through the process, you just realize how many stated assumptions you just accept as reality, that people want to leave and get out of the cash register line as quickly as possible. That's right. And sometimes you can have an ideal solution that you cannot execute again. So yes, now technology allows you to check out without even passing through a person with what Amazon does. But often, like large retail outlets, cannot just add another 20 cash registers, cannot just hire more stuff, cannot change overnight Mm -hmm. the structure. But that allows you to find a different type of solution to a problem that you can actually execute against and that you can deal with. Like the, the interesting thing is, at least in my industry, in account planning and marketing strategies, everyone will tell you, yes, the way you define the problem is so important. But then you follow up and say, well, what kind of exercises or what do you do specifically to challenge the assumptions you, you, you put in your phrasing? Or what exercises do you use to reframe the product, the problem? And most people don't have any tools. So this is what this uh, set does. And so you challenge your assumptions. And then what's the next category of, of thinking or workflow? So then it's basically a, a set of like 20 plus areas to look for insights. So okay. where do I look for insights? And the truth is that 20 cards or so that allow you to look for various insights, allow you to go through the finding process way faster because it tells you exactly here 20, 25 areas to look for as opposed to just sit there, scratch your head and think, okay, what am I looking for exactly? Well, here are 25 things you're looking for. But the reality is an insight is always contextual. In my experience is, let's say for a company that is very quantitative data driven, if you switch to a more qualitative perception, the learnings you might generate are have the potential to become an insight because Mm -hmm. of your quantitative background. For a company that only does qualitative work, another qualitative insight might not be the spark they're looking for. So insights are very contextual always. So I wish I could have the blueprint on here are the three steps that will lead you guaranteed to an insight. Unfortunately, that doesn't exist, else I wouldn't be speaking to you. I'd be on on my private island somewhere. (laughs) Enjoying enjoying a margarita or a mojito. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Well, I think also it's it's knowing your business. I mean, you have to relate to the business and look at the data from that perspective. So I don't think it can be that formulaic. No, and, and that's the way I look at it is always, I put in contrast, there's a big talk about artificial intelligence right yes. now, which I think is fantastic and has yes. a tremendous amount of potential, but I wouldn't discount the natural intelligence that you still need to make sense out of all these aggregated process data you can you have access to nowadays. I think the challenge though is we're having access to all this data. We have technology that kind of speeds up the process, if you will, in, in collection and synthesis. Yep but the time is still needed and required to really generate the insights. And another word is to create the story, the narrative, and that hasn't changed. I think our industry is very challenged with that notion because you see all these tools that are expediting everything, but our brains aren't working. You know, I don't know how you expedite this process of ins generation. You can't. And the, the way I look at it, I may be wrong, but I have the make the assumption that, speaking about assumption making, that <laughs> we look at big data and data and AI and all these kind of things almost as a way to delegate the decision-making process. Because we have access to all this data and this computing power, machine is going to tell us what to do and basically lower the risks I'm taking as a marketing director. Mm. So it's like minimizing risk. But the reality is I don't think that's true. I don't think it replaces the ingoing assumptions you need to make, the your own mental processing you need to go through. A machine cannot make the decisions mm-hmm. for you. The, the day my coffee maker can 
initiate the coffee making process before I even think about wanting a coffee, then I think we can have a different conversation. Yes, but at yes. this stage, I still need to want and decide how much coffee I want and, and these kind of things, if that makes sense. Well, you know, I also think in delaying decision making or kind of procrastinating, if you will, a, a big decision, there's still a role for intuition. And I think that that's underplayed, quite frankly, because yeah. it's a big part of decision making. Although I know it's terrible for me to say in some ways, because when you're in the research industry, you got to rely on the numbers, you got to rely on the information. But even as you contextualize it, you have several options to think about. There is a little bit of emotion and intuition that gets you to that decision. It's interesting. Not too long ago, someone asked me, and it's related to insight, but in that case, it was related to big creative ideas. Yes. How do you know you have a great creative idea? And the reality is it's a guts feeling. Then your brain can process for why you feel this way. But sometimes you just know, you know, this feels right. And, and I'm going to analyze it and try to look at the data to to try to see if it supports this, but it feels right. Now, the big problem I see, especially in advertising, is I think intuition needs to be informed by data and experience. And I think sometimes we the pendulum goes too far on the other side where it's only about intuition, uninformed intuition, mm -hmm. and you got to be somewhere in the middle. But once you have your data, once you have done your immersion, what comes out of there, the emotional reaction you get, which is a big part of an insight as well. An insight usually triggers an emotional reaction mm -hmm. within the team where everyone gets excited and everyone can come up with possibilities. No great insight has ever been identified by everyone just saying like, yeah, I think it's strategically. Like ho-hum right, you know. kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. It needs to have this level of excitement built in. I also think that the going back to the thought about gut intuition and formed kind of intuition, I do think a lot of the way we make decisions is very much driven based on the economic business climate. Mm -hmm. And so if things are going really well, there's less kind of, it's almost like a little bit of mania. There's less risk in, in making the decision versus time. Research as an industry, as you know, does better during recessionary times because people want validation for that yeah. decision. And that comes back to what I said earlier. We almost try to delegate the decision to mm -hmm. data and research. It's very rare to find someone that says, the data tells us something. My guts tells me something else. You see that very occasionally, but not enough. But for me, the thing is, the more data you get, the, the more you tend to relegate and delegate your responsibility to the, the data told us we should do this. We just lost $30 million right. trying to launch a new product, but the data showed that's the new Coke example. It's not that Coke didn't research it, it over-researched. And the consumer then tells you, well, great, but that still doesn't work for me. So that the data and the research doesn't help. Well, I love these cards and I'm glad you created you. it. I'm curious from your perspective, who's, who's your ideal target market for these cards to be used? That's a great question. I think it's broad. I think it's anyone in market research. And one of the reasons I decided to create those is a lot of the market researchers I've been talking to over the last few years that are on my client side often talk to me about the need to be more insightful. And it's basically a mandate from their marketing folks. Yes. It's like, don't give me an 80-page deck on everything about the consumer. Give me the executive summary that has three actionable steps I can use to build my business. Those are insights. That is an audience. The other one is basically the whole strategic community and everyone that is involved in marketing and building brands because successful brands appeal to people and insights are nothing else than a truth about a human being that you weren't aware of before. Anyone from advertising specialists, marketing 
folks on client side and market researchers are the perfect audience for this. And, and frankly, also students. I think students would be a great audience for that as well, simply because it, it, it includes so much knowledge that it would take you, as I said, 25 years of experience, working experience to get to. And you get them in one little deck. And it's unassuming because it's one deck, but there's so much information and content mm-hmm. here. Thank you so much for being on the show. If people no. do actually purchase these, where can they find it? So you can either go to my website, which is uh, first-the-trousers.com, or you can check it out. It's available on Amazon as well. And actually, I've learned recently that it gets delivered now by Amazon around the world. So it's Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And the best way probably to find me on Amazon too is go at first the trousers, then the shoes, and my shop will pop up and my various products will pop up as well. I know every time I put my shoes on, I'm going to think about the name (laughs) of your company, at least for the next few weeks. (laughs) Love it. And I must say, I always love it when my clients introduce me to their colleagues and say, this is Uli from first the trousers and the shoes. It's just something special about that. It breaks the ice right away. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Same. Thank you. And look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.